Good morning, uh, Mobley Baptist Church family. I'm honored that Dr. Avery would bless me with the opportunity to worship with you while he's at the Southern Baptist Convention. He does need your prayers as he speaks to thousands of delegates, pastors and ministers, and uh, charging them, challenging them in the Word of God. So thank you for his leadership and uh, for your presence here today. What a wonderful kingdom partnership that we at East Texas Baptist University share with your church. Uh, praise the Lord that Mobley has sent hundreds upon hundreds of students to pursue their Chrysler education at East Texas Baptist University. Now, even though we're just down the road, some of you may not be as familiar with ETBU, so I want to share with you how grateful we are for the community of Christian scholars and servants among our faculty and staff. And God has called young people and adults and graduate students, uh, just under 2,000 students, uh, to be a part of the family of God at ETBU as they pursue God's call on their lives. And uh, the integration of faith and learning, biblical faith and academic learning with faculty teaching God's truths and us living out our faith in Jesus Christ, that is the focus of our calling. That is the distinctive of East Texas Baptist University as a Christ-centered university. So keep praying for ETBU, for God's hand to be on ETBU and for our eyes to be on the Lord. From the ETBU family, we say thank you to the Moberly Baptist churches here in Longview and Marshall because of your ministry. You have been a light, you have shown your good deeds, and you minister to our ETBU families and students. And we have a number of students that are involved both here and in Marshall. So thank you for ministering uh, to our church families. How grateful we are to gather together this morning to share in faith. Is it not amazing that we see the fabric of our lives weave together? And, and much like Paul said in Philippians 2:2, being united in Christ by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. And God has called you to prepare and pursue his purposes through his plan and his calling for your lives. It's no accident that you're here this morning. It's either by obedience or by choice or according to his will. It's, it's not an accident that you're here this morning. God places you where you are. Mark Batterson, pastor of National Community Church in Washington, D.C., stated this, God is in the business of strategically positioning us in the right place at the right time. A sense of destiny is our birthright as followers of Christ. God is awfully good at getting us where he wants us to go, Batterson states. God wants you to chase your God-ordained destiny by seizing God-ordained opportunity. And you may be thinking, I know my destiny. I know where God has me. I'm happy right here. I'm working in East Texas. I'm living in Longview. I'm serving in my community. Others, you may not know what his destiny is for your life. You're not certain as to your vocation or your, if you're in the right career path. High school students, you may be thinking, where am I going to go to college? College students in the room, you may be thinking, am I in the right major? I don't even know what I'm going to major in. You're looking for the path to illuminate. You're waiting for a door to open or maybe one to close. You're seeking a bridge to somewhere. Some of you may be like your former interim pastor and who's been a spiritual giant in my life, Dr. David Dykes, who stated, you're living in one of two tents, the tent of contentment or the tent of discontentment. But even at times, in the tent of contentment, we struggle to find the balance between fulfillment and complacency. Maybe you're excited about your future. You're following after what God has revealed to you. Maybe you're frightened about the present. Are you weighed down by your past and you will not let the former go? Our spiritual state may be keeping us where God says no or holding us back from following God where he says go. When we think about God's calling, we are confronted with questions like, what do you want to do with your life? 
I'm sure your parents give you that sometimes, right? What do you want to do with your life? What do you want in your life? Is there more that God has for me? Now, you can fill in the blanks, right, for yourself when contemplating these questions. But here are some responses of people when I ask this question. I want to be happy, successful. I want to be a success, at peace with myself, content, secure in my circumstances. Regardless, I just want to have confidence in what I do. I want to be valued. How about just accepted, appreciated? I hope people will respect me. Purpose, I want to make a difference in life. And lastly, definitely want to be loved. What happens to us between the age of 5 and 20, 30, 40, 53, what happens to us that changes so? Once upon a time, as children, we dreamed of being pirates and princesses, and now we crave the intangible. Things we might have once assumed would be givens in life, happiness, joy, peace, fulfillment. What is it about this culture, this world of ours, that leaves so many, too many, uncertain and insecure about their lives, unsure about their future, confused about identity and acceptance, not having faith in who they are and whose they are, missing all that walking with Jesus gives us in life. God has a distinct plan for your life. He has a distinct plan for my life. Each of these young people, he's got a purpose and a plan for your life. And we don't have to be uncertain. We don't have to be insecure about our purpose, his destiny for us. God wants to reveal it to us. He wants to grant us a peace and a direction about the call he has for our lives. God has an intentional plan for your life, an ordained purpose for you to fulfill. Now, some of you have heard this passage many times from Jeremiah 29, 11, but we need to play it over and over in our mind. We need to sow it on to our heart. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Lee Hardy wrote in Making the Match, he stated, we are not to create this purpose for ourselves, but to discover the path that God has mapped for us. Hardy goes on, I was placed here for a purpose. A purpose is one in which I am in part to discover, not invent. I am to discern God's will for the shape and direction of my life. So how do we respond in obedience once we hear God's call? Once he directs us to the path of calling, how do we discern and follow? There are examples throughout the Bible and throughout history of people who were living one life and God called them to entirely different, higher purpose. C.S. Lewis an atheist since he was a teen, had no idea that he was going to become a famous Christian apologist. John Newton had no intention of leaving his job as a slave trader to become a minister and later pen Amazing Grace and influence William Wilberforce to lead the abolition of slavery in Great Britain. James and John left one morning as fishermen and came back that afternoon with a whole new career as disciples of Christ and fishers of men. God's call has a way of surprising us. And there's probably no one more surprised how his life turned out differently than Moses. If Moses had asked as a child what he wanted to be when he grew up, it would have been a far cry from leaving the life of luxury as Pharaoh's daughter's adopted son to be a shepherd in Midian in the desert in Sinai, to being God's chosen leader to lead the people out of bondage from Egypt. 
So let's look at the life of Moses and God's calling him. Turn to Exodus, the second book of the Bible, chapter 3. We'll examine God's divine calling on Moses to fill his plan and how Moses responded to that call from God on his life and how it might impact us when God calls. From the story, we can come to a greater understanding of what God's call on our lives may be and how we should respond when the Lord directs us. Like Moses, you can discover that God is at work in your life even when you feel unsure, when you think you're unable, and when you're unwilling. Moses didn't feel called. He wasn't confident that he was equipped, nor was he enthusiastic about what God was doing in his life or what he wanted to accomplish through him. You may not think that God is at work in your life at all. He may be at work in your life right now and about to do something amazing. Will you recognize him? Will you respond to the call of God? So we turn to the book of the Old Testament in Exodus and we find Moses in chapter 3 tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro in the desolate desert of Sinai when Moses comes to Horeb. So you follow along as I read from Exodus 3, 4 through 9. I'm going to go through the scriptures here as I read with you. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the east, excuse me, of the desert, and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. Moses said, here am I. Now God chose to speak to Moses from an unexpected source, this bush that would not burn up. And God is speaking to Moses from this source. So it was an extraordinary sight to see this full foliage bush not burning up, but yet on fire. So we should not be surprised. When the Lord speaks to us in unexpected ways or through unexpected sources like he did with Moses. Going to verse 5. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And in verse 9, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So here God explains to Moses who he is. He reminds Moses that he is the God of the Israelites and wants to fulfill the promise to his people. Hearing of their affliction and their suffering, God tells Moses that he desires to rescue them from the bondage of the Egyptians and to give the Hebrew people a land of their own, an abundant land, to become a blessed nation of their own. The words come down, show his compassion, his love, his grace, his mercy for his people and certainly for us. God was keenly aware of the oppression of the Israelites and he would intervene on their behalf. Is there something in your life that has plagued you and you have been crying out to God? Maybe you've not heard in your timing and you're wondering if God is even listening or when and how he's going to respond to the situation or the questions that you have. I would ask that you pray Psalm 37, 4 through 7, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. 
Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn. But in verse 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently on him. We have to be willing to wait as God prepares us for what he wants to do in our lives. In verse 10, God responds to the Israelites crying out in prayer by extending the call to Moses for the purpose in his life. And then God said to Moses, so now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So as we move farther along in the scripture, we see here what Moses says in response to God's calling, his divine assignment in verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who, me, Moses says, I am unworthy. I'm unworthy to do what you're asking me to do. He questions God's God's calling. He rebuts God with excuses for his inadequacy, for the large task presented. No doubt Moses was unworthy before God, but God was not asking Moses to work alone. Moses was to be God's agent, empowered by the spirit and the presence of God the Father. Verse 12, God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. God's already given him the promise. He's telling him, you're going to do this. It's going to happen. You don't have to worry. I'm going to take my people out and you're going to lead them. God replies, I will be with you. The Lord often provides us opportunities and challenges which seem extremely difficult when we're facing them independently. But God calls us to an interdependence contingent upon his promise and his presence in our lives. Through a relationship with Jesus, God is faithful and able. Certainly when we're not, he always is. He is able to give his followers all that we need. Ephesians 3.20, God is able to immeasurably do more than we ask or imagine. God calls us to relationship with him. God created us for fellowship with him. He created us for fellowship with others for him. Remember that it is not us, it is God within us who makes us worthy of the calling. Our value is in him, not in ourself. We cannot stand behind our inefficiencies, our apprehension like Moses. We must see past ourselves what we deem as incapable and look to God for his assurance that he will be with us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. We must be sensitive to our inabilities, no doubt, yet aware of the calling that God places upon us. As we're conscious of our lack of ability, we must rely on the Lord to empower us and sustain us to do his work. One might be well concerned about failing the Lord were it not for an awareness that he never, ever fails us. Like often we express doubt to the Lord, Moses continues to doubt. He has not heard enough from God. He is still doubting in verse 13. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? You just see Moses having this interaction with God, like really sure. What, who are you? What if, what are they going to say? How am I going to respond? So Moses says, who are you? I am just unsure. And God responds and he says, Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God replies, I am that I am. God calls us to know his power. The I am describes the unchangeable nature and the 
the, the character, the sovereignty of God. God declared his supreme and external existence to Moses as he called himself, I am. I am everything. I am. Moses had lived in a culture where the Egyptians and other peoples had many different gods. There was confusion about different gods. So Moses is asking God to authenticate himself. And God reminded Moses of his covenant relationship with Father Abraham. And Isaac and Jacob to the Israelites, the promise to these Hebrew patriarchs that he would fulfill his promise, his commitment, the covenant relationship through Moses' leadership. God proclaimed Moses to Moses that he was, is the only true God, the creator of everything. The I am declaration signifies this eternal covenant with the Israelites and to us as grafted in Christian believers. Like Moses, we have doubts when the Lord speak to us, speaks to us when we are not sure or we disagree with what God may be telling us. We question if what we're hearing is even from God, especially when we don't like it. Anybody got an amen on that one? In our society today, we have so many secular activities, shifting cultural norms. Goodness, what these young people have to face. Personal idols, frantic schedules, financial stresses, and technology, which pushes all that, right? All of this Satan uses to distract us from hearing and recognizing God when he calls us to do his work. Thousands of voices will call for your attention. Young people, you must decide if God's call alone is worthy of your whole focus. Knowing who God is as our creator and heavenly father confirms to us his authority and his sovereignty. We must recognize that his majesty, his splendor, his awesome power to call us and use us beyond our ability and understanding. Heeding God's call requires our undivided attention to the Lord. It's just too easy for us to turn from him. We must remove the clutter and the distractions, the busyness of life, so that we can focus on him and get away from our self-centered preoccupations. God's call involves sacrifice. Matthew, James, John, Andrew, Peter, the disciples recognized, they recognized Jesus' authority when they saw him and they heard him. And through his spirit in him, he, they yielded to the call to change their career path and adjusted their way of life to follow him. Following Jesus does not come with a promise of ease or comfort. Being a dedicated Christ follower requires great cost and sacrifice. You may lose friends. You may lose acceptance, personal time, prized behaviors, things that you hold as idols, but the blessings of life abundant and life eternal far outweigh the sacrificial investment. When God calls, we cannot delay. As the Lord speaks and confirms to you the revelation, do not hesitate. Jesus told another disciple who tarried and wanted to go bury his father, let the dead bury the dead. This disciple was not ready to commit to following Christ. He possibly feared losing his inheritance, his financial security, his family relationships. But Jesus demanded complete loyalty to the call and required an obedience for that disciple to walk away from the former life to be his follower. We too must not delay in responding to God's call and recognizing his power and authority over us. Jesus wants our complete loyalty and our wholehearted commitment to live our lives for him, for God's glory. When God calls, God will illuminate his path for you. Will it be rocky and curvy? Yes, absolutely. Will there be bumps in the road? Sure. Will there be detours? Certainly. 
some shortcuts, some longer distances to teach you and prepare you for future journeys, but all intended to get you where he wants you to go, to destinations through experiences he wants you to encounter. After God shows Moses that he will give him miraculous signs to show Pharaoh, Moses continues to display his anxiety over the possible negative reaction of the Israelites and the refusal of Pharaoh. God vividly demonstrates to Moses his power and his presence for his missional calling he challenged Moses to do. Yet still, Moses continues to doubt God and his ability to trust him. He was refusing to tap into the power that God would give him for confidence, for courage, and resources to support his work. So let's pick up the story. Flip over to chapter 4, verse 10. In verse 10, Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I have never been eloquent Neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant, I am slow of speech and tongue. Moses says, what can I do? I'm unequipped. The Lord responds to Moses' retort. The Lord said to him, who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. How many of us have received a now go? And maybe we didn't. Maybe you picked up and did. Maybe you waited. When God says go, we must. God replies, I will empower you. God calls us to utilize his provision. The Lord will not take you where he does not provide the means, the resources to enable you to be successful and spiritually significant for him. God delights to use ordinary people. He empowers and equips those he calls to service. Through it all, no matter the challenges and obstacles that will come your way, triumphs and victories along that call, know that God's leadership will guide you and God's goodness will follow you in the days ahead. Follow him and you will stand in the center of his will. Wherever you follow him, you will always stand in the center of his will. Michelle, my wife, and I have an artwork in our house that says the will of God will not take you where the grace of God will not protect you. God calls us to utilize his provision. The Lord will provide us. He will use us. He chooses the weak to show his power. So when things are done, he alone receives the glory for his sake. The Lord has gifted each of us, and we are to use these God-given talents to honor him, not for our own satisfaction, God equips us with gifts for him, for his kingdom purposes. God doesn't need fame or wealth or success to empower people. He calls us to him and to follow his directives. Skill and wisdom do not qualify us for salvation or God's call. The Lord uses simple faith so that no one can privately boast on their own about their accomplishments, that they've earned, that we've earned our eternal life or, or even our own earthly impact or significance. God's call requires you to do something that is impossible in your own strength, yet possible through the giftedness of God in you. Recall that Jeremiah was called to preach, yet he first questioned the calling. Jeremiah reflected on his prophetic appointment. I said to myself, I will not proclaim the word of God, but God's word was like a fire inside my bones and I had to preach. Paul told his spiritual son, Timothy, 2 Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God in you. God has gifted you and you are to fan that flame. 
Is your spirit on fire for the Lord's calling on you? Will you be ablaze when you receive the next appointment from God? If your flame is flickering or fading or cooling off, will you miss a God-ordained opportunity? Revelation and discernment of God's word is like a fire inside of us. It has to come out. With God's spirit in you, with God's spirit in me, we must share about his work in us and his desire to work through us for the sake of others. We must have faith to attempt the seemingly impossible to trust God to open the way. The more we know God and trust his empowerment through us, the more aware we become of our powerlessness and inadequacy to do anything of enduring importance, of enduring importance for the Lord. To the Romans, Paul described our Lord as the God of endurance. Some of you may have the devotional by Paul David Tripp where he advocates your hope of enduring is not found in your character or strength. It's found in the Lord's character and strength. Your perseverance rests on him. Tripp adds, it is the grace of endurance granted to you by the God of endurance that provides everything you need to continue to do what he calls you to be and to do what he calls you to do. So even after the Lord commits to Moses to help him, to speak to him, to instruct him on what to say to the Israelites and Pharaoh, Moses appeals to God to release him from the assignment in verse 13. But Moses said, oh Lord, please just send somebody else, not me. Just send someone else to do it. Moses says, who can go instead of me? I am just unwilling. Pleading with God, Moses is reluctant. He's timid. He's stubborn. He's just outright defiant that God should send someone else in his place. Have you ever had such a rebellious spirit to what God has called you to do? Have you run from God's assignments? Have you turned from God or tuned him out for fear of his calling? Ashamedly, I know I have been just as disobedient. Have you been like me and focused on yourself, your inexperience, your weakness, your fear of failing? I'll share with you that I came to ETBU in 2015 and those first six months, I wanted to quit. I wanted to run away. I didn't feel I had the ability to do it because I was focused on my abilities, not God's ability to work through me. And God sent me into a spiral, an intentional spiral. And I just kept falling until I hit rock bottom. I finally hit the bottom and all I could do was look up and see God. I read a passage last week from 2 Chronicles 2012 that was shared by one of my friends at ETBU speaking of Jehoshaphat and the Israelite army. They were facing a, a vast army and a, a battle that they couldn't win. And they said, Jehoshaphat said to the Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Sometimes we have to get in the bottom of the pit so that all we see is up and our eyes are on God. God took that moment, those six months, and broke me into a million pieces to put me back together the way he wanted me to be. But I was refusing. I was running out of fear of failing. What a contrast to the prophet Isaiah who after seeing the vision of God, hearing the Lord's call in Isaiah chapter 6, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah immediately and resolutely responded, here am I, send me. Young people, I volunteer as tribute, right? You know that? That's what he did. Oh, that we might have that zealous spirit, that we would have that passion to pursue what God places upon our shoulders and upon his path. So God was obviously frustrated with Moses. I know he was frustrated with me many times in life, but particularly in those first six months. But Moses is continuing to doubt and defy God's directive. So here the Lord responds. 
Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you and his heart will be glad when he sees you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth and I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so you can perform miraculous signs with it. God replies, I'll give someone to help you. I'm going to give you resources to do what, what you're called to do. God knew Moses needed assistance and he called upon Moses' brother, Aaron, to help him. It had been 40 years since their last meeting, but God knew, right? This is the all-knowing God. He knew Moses was going to defy his calling. None of this was a surprise to God. So he had already touched Aaron and said, come on, your brother's going to need you, right? You never know who God will call you to partner for his purposes. Moses as the prophet of God, Aaron as the prophet of Moses, the two would serve together in relaying the messages of God to his people and to Pharaoh. God designed the Christian life to be lived in community, not in isolation. This camp, these two camps we saw, designed for fellowship, for engagement. These young people gathered together, sitting together, supporting one another. We've been designed to fellowship together, to come together in community. Your church fellowship is a reflection of that. God calls us to kingdom partnership with other servants of Christ. Engagement, not isolation, is his desire for us. God puts us into groups, your families, your friends, your coworkers, your church members, your neighbors, who will help you live out God's call on your life. And you just never know who God's going to connect you with. It might be that person that you don't want to connect with, right? God created us for fellowship with him and with others for him. Jesus, when he was preparing to leave the disciples, promised to leave them and praise God, promised to leave us his Holy Spirit. Jesus states in chapter 14 of John, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and he will be with you. The spirit of God came after Jesus ascended to heaven to care for us and guide us. The Holy Spirit is the very presence and essence of God within us. As believers, we have Jesus, the Spirit of God, of Jesus living in us. God has given us the Spirit to enable us, to help us to live as God commands and to carry out his message of love, grace, and hope of Jesus. Jesus says the Holy Spirit will teach us what to say when called upon by God. As we're given the opportunity to share about Jesus, to do the work of the Lord, the Spirit of God will speak through you. When God calls to do his work for his glory, for the building and advancing of his kingdom. Remember, you are worthy because of your relationship to the worthy, the worthy and righteous God, to the sovereign and authentic God, to the creator of heaven and earth, to the one true and living God. We are worthy only because he is worthy. When God calls you, you can be confident in an almighty, all-powerful, omnipotent, unchanging, unshakable, magnificent, awesome, holy God. We can keep naming it. He's everything. Remember, he is I am. He is the I am in your life. When God calls you, you can be secure that he will empower you to overcome your inadequacies, your shortfalls, your weaknesses, your failures, your past, your mistakes. Don't let the past hold you back from the go. That's just a no. God has forgiven you from far as the east is to the west. It's Satan that keeps bringing it back up in our own selves, our damn nature that just keeps bringing it up. You are forgiven. Live forward, not back. 
God removes and blots out your sin, all these earthly remnants of our unrighteousness to fulfill his righteous purposes. When God calls you, you can boldly and willingly accept the assignment to complete the work that he has set out for you. I want to close with reciting a prayer that I read this week from a seasoned pastor from a large church in the United States. He'd been pastor for years, and I've read a number of his books. But he was struggling in his own faith later in his career as as pastoral leader. Don't think that people in pastoral leadership, in church leadership, don't struggle. That's why you need to be praying for your pastor each and every day. Well, this pastor was struggling in his own faith and fear of how God wanted to use him. And so this was his prayer that he offered up to God. I am praying to the creator of the world, the king of the universe, the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-faithful God. I am praying to the God who made the mountains and who can move them if necessary. I am praying to the God who has always been faithful to me, who has never let me down, no matter how frightened I was or how difficult the situation looked. I am praying to a God who wants to bear fruit through me. And I am going to trust that he is going to use me today, not because of who I am, but because of who he is. He is faithful. Let's pray. Father God, we are so grateful that we get together to come to worship you, to study your word. We thank you for the leadership of this ministry team. Thank you for Dr. Abair and his spiritual leadership. God, continue to pour out your spirit, a double portion of your spirit upon him as he proclaims your word. Here from this pulpit and down in New Orleans and through his pastoral care to this church body. God, you have called us to know you through salvation, through Jesus Christ. God, you've called us to honor you and glorify you through our worship and adoration of you. God, you've called us to follow you as disciples, to walk with Jesus. God, you've called us to serve you in ministry with this church body, with other people that you'll ask us to serve with. God, may we all be ready and willing to accept the invitation for your call to to have an overwhelming passion, that zealous spirit like Isaiah to make known the gospel of Christ. God, that we would courageously pursue the calling that you give us to make disciples of the Lord Jesus. Jesus gave us that great commission in Matthew 28. God, let us live out the great commission and the great commandment to follow after you whenever, however, whatever you so direct. Map out the plan, the path for our lives in service to you, for others, for you. It is in the name of Jesus, your son, our Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, we pray, amen.